Good evening. I'd like to welcome everybody here tonight. Uh, great to see everybody here. Um, if I appear a little nervous, um, about 2.30 uh, this afternoon, Kim took Landon to the walk-in clinic because his stomach has been hurting since last night, and they sent him straight to the ER, and so I have been at the ER up until just a little bit ago, um, and we still don't know what's wrong, but I think we've ruled out appendicitis, um, and so we're, we're kind of, uh, I left with them waiting to see the doctor, hoping to find out what's wrong, so I know that uh, some of you are praying about that, and I thank you so much for that, and uh, um, so we're, we're kind of in the wait-and-see mode to see what's going on there, but um, all, everything that they've done so far is coming back normal, so uh, we're, we're hopeful that it's uh, maybe just growing pains or something like that, but uh, hopefully we'll know a little bit more, but uh, it looks like at least hopefully now we won't have surgery tonight like it was looking like for a little bit, so uh, I'm going to say it makes me a little nervous. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that, uh, before I even get into the lesson, there's been uh, so many things happening in the last uh, week and a half or so with uh, um, racial tensions and, and attacks on the police force. And, and some of you may know uh, there were three uh, cops killed in, in Baton Rouge um, this, or this morning. And so uh, these, these things continue to happen. And while I was in the ER, um, there was a uh, Fort Smith patrolman that was in there, and I'm not sure why he was in there, but he recognized several people that he knew in there, and he made a point of going around and sitting around and talking to each one of the individuals, took time out of his deal. And, And I just thought it was you know, something that we don't, we don't see that enough, uh, how much they interact with people, and, and, and the way that he talked to, to them was, I, I just thought it was really neat, and, and so my hat's off to, to the police force and, and those that serve in those kind of capacities, because they do amazing things, and, and they don't get the credit um, that they need to, I think, on that. As y'all know, I like to do, uh, I don't know how this got started, but um, I like to do lessons looking at songs. And the song that we just sang, Jesus Loves the Little Children, um, before Chris's lesson last week, he and I were talking about the events that had happened. And for some reason, this song just came in my mind. And so I thought I'm going to choose this song for my lesson. and Because he, he asked me if, if I could... Uh, speak tonight and and so I said sure I would and so I tried to everything that I had come up with to say he said that Sunday morning that Sunday morning so he kind of took away my fire and so I've kind of struggled with where to go with this so if this seems kind of random um just bear with me (laughs) so um but the scripture that uh, inspired the author for this is uh, Matthew nineteen fourteen, and Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. The disciples had been trying to stop the children from coming to Jesus. 
And Jesus rebuked them and said, you know what? Let the children come to me because this is what heaven's going to be like. And so I think that that's uh, some, some powerful scripture there. Now about the song, the music was written in 1864. It was written by a gentleman named George Frederick Root. Um, it was a Civil War tune, believe it or not, and it was called Tramp, 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 The Boys Are Marching On. Later, uh, and Root wrote a lot of patriotic songs. He wrote a lot, a lot of sacred songs, and he was actually inducted into the Songwriter Hall of Fame in 1970. Um, the words were written by a man uh, named Clarence Herbert Woolston. Uh, he lived from 1856 to 1927. Uh, he was born in Chicago. He was quite an interesting gentleman. Um, and, and I think you kind of get to see where this song comes from if you kind of get to know the kind of person that he was. Um, he wrote a book, and it was called The Bible Object Book. And what it was, was he took ordinary items, and he wrote little lessons about them. One of them, just for an example, um, says the postage stamp is non-combatant. Uh, when it is licked, it does not hit back. Um, it's a peace bearer. Um, the postage stamp does what it's told to do. Um, it does not know what's in the letter. It has no idea what the contents are, but it delivers the letter to the person that it's named. So he took little things like that, and he wrote this book of lessons like that. You can buy it for like 49 cents, I think. But you know, if we look at that, if you start studying Jesus, a lot of his lessons were the same deal. He took things that were right there in front of him that the people could understand, and he made lessons out of them. He made lessons about the mustard seed. He made lessons about crops growing. He made lessons about things, ordinary things, and he made lessons about that. And so I think it's kind of neat that, that this gentleman um, kind of expanded upon that and took normal, everyday things and made lessons out of them. Um, he was known for bringing animals into church to present his lessons. I think they said that he had brought a cheetah at one time um, and, and uh, a monkey. And uh, they even had a picture in this uh, one story that I was reading about him. He brought a bear cub into the church as an object lesson of uh, stubbornness. So he had quite a way of, of expressing his lessons. And I the more I, I read about him, the more I thought I would love to have heard him preach because I bet it was quite entertaining. Um, but also, I think he probably made a good point. He also um, wrote another book, and it was called Seeking Truth, a book of magical and mechanical effects. Um, it was magic tricks that he used to illustrate points to keep the kids' attention uh, while he did them. And so um, he was quite the interesting fellow. Um, one of the interesting things about this song and this is uh, Joyce brought this to my attention um, you know how we like to you know sometimes make things more politically correct and, and some of our songs have evolved over time 
And this was a song that they tried to um, change. Um, let's see, uh, the, the more politically correct version they tried to come up with, every color, every race, all are covered by his grace. But uh, apparently it didn't kick, catch on. And so uh, uh, most of us still uh, will sing it to our kids. And I think it's one of the first songs that kids learn. Um, to sing that one in uh, um, Jesus loves me, and uh, and so I think that that's neat, and and uh, it didn't survive. It didn't get politically um, corrected. We're surrounded by violence, and we're seeing it so much today. Uh, just everywhere we turn, there's violence, and I think that one of the things we as as we get overwhelmed with that sometimes. This is the thought that Jesus said, you want to come to heaven, you've got to be like a child. And that's Mark's paraphrase. Um, what are some things about children that are different than adults? Um, for one, they don't judge. Um, it's not that they don't see different colors. It's not that they don't see different races. They see it. They place no value on it. Uh, they know that somebody's different, but that doesn't mean anything. Usually it's just that they're going to ask the crazy, curious question uh, that's going to embarrass the parents, but just because they honestly want to know. Um, they see people different sizes, different shapes, different ages, but they don't place value on that. Um, they love unconditionally. You know, we have to teach our children sometimes not to love. And it sounds funny, but, you know, like when I was growing up, when I was a little kid, my favorite book to read or to have read to me um, was a, a children's book called Never Talk to Strangers. I don't know if any of you ever read that book. Um, it was read to me, and it was an old book, and we found the book, and I remember reading it to my nephew when he was little, you know. And then the moral of the lesson is, is that, you know, you got to be careful. You can't just talk to everybody. You, don't, you can't talk to strangers because kids sometimes, especially some of them, everybody is their friend. And we live in a world where you have to be a little bit more careful than that. And so we have to teach our children sometimes not to love. And Satan sometimes enters into this, and sometimes they learn uh, things that they probably shouldn't about who to love and who not to love. Um, you know, I, it's amazing, and, and y'all probably heard me talk about this. My oldest son, Stephen, did not get, he, he didn't come into our lives until he was about two years old. And we don't know everything that happened, but we know that he did not receive um, all the love that he should have up until that two-year period of time. And kids... Believe it or not, most of what we learn about love, we learn before we're two years old. See, a baby cries because it's uncomfortable. It's hungry, it's sleepy, or it needs changed. And when it cries, that loving parent picks that child up and they take care of the need. And so that bond is built, that unconditional love is built. We learn that at a very young age. And the scary thing is, if you don't learn it at a very young age, it's almost impossible to ever learn. Because there's so many 
issues that are built in when that does not happen. So one of the things about children I think is great is they, they know how to love. They understand joy. I think sometimes as adults, we forget some of the fun things in life. Um, you know, their cares are simple. If they have food, they have shelter, they have love, they can be happy. You can go to some of the, and, you know, I've talked about the, I've heard people that have gone on missions, and they've gone to places that, you know, are, to our standards, very poor. But the kids are just as happy as can be because they don't know they're missing anything. They still feel the joy of, of, of everyday life. Um, they love to sing. Most kids love to sing. I think everybody um, needs to come to vacation Bible school one day. Um, and, and I hate it. I didn't get to come this year because there is something electric about a bunch of kids singing. Are they on key? Maybe not. Do they care? No. They just sing loud, and they sing with big grins on their face, and, and it's a joy to watch. And I think that that's something that, that God loves. He loves that. Um, sometimes we can get a little bit caught up on making sure we hit the right note, and if we don't sing the best, we'll kind of not sing as loud because we don't want to mess everybody else up. Kids don't care. They just sing it out. And I think that sometimes we, we lose that. We get too, too caught up with ourselves. Um, kids can have fun with anything. You ever notice that? You can buy them the fanciest present, and they may play with the box. Um, you know, I was thinking back when uh, I was a kid. You know, the, the, the toilet paper ring, those were priceless. You know, the things we could make out of those, you know, we would make, uh, you know, columns for buildings, and we would make buildings out of uh, cracker boxes with the columns, and, and they were tunnels to drive the Hot Wheels through. I mean, you know, there, it was endless what you could do with those. You know, and Mom would hate it because she came in my room, there'd be all this stuff that she would not want to know what to do with, just trash to her. But to me, it was cities and, and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Kids are that creative. It's amazing what they can do with just a little bit. Um, you ever notice kids make up games? That you put a bunch of kids out there in the gym, and you turn them loose, and pretty soon they're going to have invented some kind of game to play. Now, it may be a game, you know, maybe they'll pick up basketball or, or, or something, but sometimes it's just a random game that they'll develop, you know, and, 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 and they just have fun and they play. And, and, but a thing that kind of amazes me is I got to college and, and traveled around a few places, and, and you talk to people that have been in other areas, that grew up in other areas, and you start talking about the games that you played as a kid, and they probably played the same variation of that game. They may have called it a different name, but, but it was all a variation of the same game. And so I think that, you know, kids just have this this they love to play. They love to enjoy. And I think that that's something that, that as adults we could learn from them. <clears throat> Kids love their parents. Now, sometimes as they reach older ages, we start wondering about that. Um, from like 13 to like 18 or 19, um, that's a little more questionable. 
Um, but when they're young, they really show love to their parents. And like Landon's at that age now that's like I know it's not going to last a lot longer. So I really cherish it, you know. But, you know, he still likes to sit and snuggle. He still wants to come sit on my lap when we're watching TV, you know. They love their parents. A matter of fact, even kids that come from homes that are sometimes abused will fight tooth and nail to get back to those parents because that's what they know. That, that's comfort to them. They love their parents. Um, and if they understand to love their parents, it's an easy step from there to learn to love God. And so... And I think it's easy for them to see as their as as their father, as their their savior. So I think that's something else we can learn. Um, they hunger and they thirst to learn. I always remember a, a a movie. I think it was called Short Circuit, and there was this little robot and little roll around on wheels and stuff, and and it somehow got artificial intelligence. Um, it, it became um, alive. And it would roll around this, this house that it was in. It was input, 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 input. It would just, you know, it'd turn the TV on. It'd watch like 40 channels at once. Took the encyclopedia, it read. It just had this, this desire to learn. And kids have that. Um, all of that, they want to do what is right. And, and, uh, and that's such a, uh, a neat thing. You know, compare it to um, why do dogs make good pets over alligators? A dog, most dogs, all they want to do is make you happy. They want to serve you, and they want to, that feedback that you've made them happy. Alligator, on the other hand, if you feed him, he might eat what you fed him because it's easier than eating you. But if it comes right down to it, he's not going to think twice about eating you. If he's big enough and he's hungry enough and you're available, he's going to eat you. Because that's what alligators do. Um, you know, I, it's something I, there was some joke about that about a rattlesnake, you know. And the guy had the rattlesnake, took care of it every day, and eventually one day it bit him. And, you know, they said, well, you know, that's what rattlesnakes do. Kids want to learn. They want to love. They want to please. And so I think that that's something that if we're going to inherit, the, if we're going to go to heaven, I think that's one thing we, we need to develop is that ability to do that. Um, I know we had a good crowd uh, last Tuesday for the movie, and that movie really, it, it put the thinkers on me. Um, the, the name of the movie was Miracles from Heaven. And if you haven't seen the movie, there is a little girl, and this is a, written off a true story. Now, they took a little poetic license. I went back. I had to go back and research it because I was just blown away with the movie. The ages were a little different of the girl in the movie and the girl that's in the story that this really happened to. I think she was a couple of years younger than they portrayed it in the movie. But everything else... Most of the other stuff in the movie ran pretty close to, to the actual events. This little girl had a, I guess you would call it a disease, a, a, that her intestines did not get the proper, Michael, you may tell me, I'm, you might help me here, but 
did not get the electrical impulses that told it to do what it was supposed to do. And so she could not digest food. And so they could feed her intravenously or a feeding tube, but even that was limited on, as she grew older, on being able to keep the body uh, with enough food. Also was extremely painful. Um, she would have uh, blockage. She would have uh, just massive pain. And, and so the girl was living in just miserable conditions. She hurt. Um, she was losing weight. Her stomach was, was out of proportionally large. Um, girl was just in bad shape. And she finally said, you know what, I just want to go home. And basically, uh, I think the, the, the family's thought was she was going home probably to spend her last days here on earth and, and, you know, get what she could out of it. She gets home, and her older sister says, hey, why don't you climb up the tree? We used to climb this tree, and it's this big, massive maple tree, I think, or cottonwood tree. And they climb up in this tree, and it is hollowed out. And they get up on it, and they're sitting on a, on a limb, and that limb breaks. And before she can get down the tree, she falls three stories down this tree and lands head first. Goes unconscious. They, they can't get to her. She's three stories down this tree. And the fire department gets there. They determine they can't just cut the tree down because it's just going to collapse on top of her. And so they have to get a truck, and they rig down, and they go down, and they have to drop a man down in there and hook her up and lift her out of this tree. During this whole time, several hours, I think, getting her out of this tree, no response from her. Everyone there figures she's a, they're, they're pulling a corpse, out of a, a dead body, out of this tree. While the girl's in the tree, she is suddenly in a place full of trees and flowers and she meets Jesus and Jesus tells her you're going to go back she wants to stay and he says no you need to go back I have reason for you to go back but when you get back you're not going to hurt you're going to be fine you're not going to have any injuries you're not going to have this disease anymore Firemen pull her up out of this tree. They lay her down, unconscious. They rush her to the hospital. At the hospital, and the ER doctor comes out and says, you're not going to believe this. Other than a bump on the head, she's fine. So they take her home, and she doesn't ask for the pain medicine. She had been where she was pleading for the pain medicine before it was time to get it. And she doesn't take the pain medicine. And she starts, her stomach starts going down. And she starts getting hungry. And she starts eating. And she starts feeling normal. And so they take her back to Boston. They live in Texas. And they take her back to Boston to this doctor. The doctor does, you know, full test looks. Her body is functioning normal. Nothing's wrong. She is 
no, that was where I'm trying to think of the word they would use, but asystematic, something. Anyway, she didn't have the symptoms anymore. The doctor said there's no explanation for this. You know, there's, there wasn't a cure for this. And so we can't say she's cured because there's not one, but she doesn't have the condition anymore. And so it was just amazing. And um, the mom got up in front of the church, and she said, she quoted um, Albert Einstein. And I think I want to end with that quote because I think it was so cool. Albert Einstein said, there are only two ways we can live our life. You can live your life as though nothing is a miracle, or you can live your life like everything is a miracle. We look at life, sometimes I think we take it for granted. Looking at the human body, it's amazing. What it takes for us to swallow, what all's involved in that, and we don't even think about it. Breathing, we don't even think about it. We have bacteria that lives in us that if it's not in there, we're not healthy. Other little organisms live in us. That's a miracle. That's amazing. We can choose to live like nothing's a miracle or like everything's a miracle. Thank you so much for being here. The invitation of the Lord is always open. If we're here, uh, it's always available. If somebody has a need for prayer, somebody wants to uh, put on Jesus in baptism, uh, that opportunity, put on Christ in baptism, that opportunity is, is available as well. Also, um, if you're unable this morning to take part in the Lord's Supper, uh, it is available in room 100. And uh, just make your way there, and uh, they'll take care of that there. Whatever, if there's a need that we can meet, come now while together we stand and we sing.